Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family planting churches together. Journey with us as we hear from church planters all across North America, discovering what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. This week, I'm with Vance Pittman in Las Vegas, Nevada to talk about Hope Church, where he served since 2001. One of the things that I constantly is in my mind is that context matters, Yeah. right? And I've been on the West Coast, I've been in Texas, I'm now on the East Coast, and there are three different contexts, you know, and, and, and part of my job is going around different places and talking to people. Yeah. And, and one of the things that always amazes me is how church planters, and they're, they're great church planters and pastors, they talk about how their city is the most strategic city in yeah. North America or whatever. Give me, why is Vegas the most <laughs> important city in reaching North America? It's the most important city to me because it's the city God called me to. And it's the city God's called my family to for life. Yeah. We've identified a life call to this city. And I think that's something that's important too. And I mean, I've talked talk about it today, but guys need to feel a call to a city. That's what yeah. you see the biblical pattern, yeah. you know, these call to a city. So we felt a call to the city of Las Vegas, but Las Vegas was the city that God used to get me to the Western United States. I think Las Vegas is one of several cities up and down the West Coast that is very important to the um, gospel movement if, in America. Yeah. I think if we're ever going to have another movement to the gospel in America, the only hope for that again is the Western United States. Hmm. And here's why I'd say yeah. that. When you study movement, Globally, just study the history of Christian movements anywhere. Movement always happens in a pre-Christian context. It's never happened in post-Christian culture. Yeah, it's pre-Christian context. What you have in the Northeast of the United States is post-Christian. Yeah, great awakenings, great revivals, but now they're the the old churches are now museums and bars and libraries. Uh, what you have rapidly happening throughout the Bible Belt in the Midwest is becoming a post-Christian mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. They're losing the generation that's coming up through their churches. They're leaving the churches when they go to high, to high school and college. Um, the Western United States is the last pre-Christian culture left in America. There, there's never been, short of the Jesus movement in the 70s, which was a short, and, and, and missiologists and theologians would argue about whether or not that was really a movement, The West is the last pre-Christian culture left in America. You can go up and down the West Coast, Las Vegas, Denver, Salt Lake City, Seattle, Phoenix, LA, 90 to 95% of every city is non-Christian. And many of those people, it's not that they're unreached, they have access, but they've never heard the gospel. That is a ripe field for movement. And so you feel like Las Vegas kind of is and tip the, you know, it's kind of the embodiment of these Western cities. 100%. You know, I mean, we were talking earlier, you said 90, 95% of... Yeah, when I moved here in uh, 2000, 95% of the people in Las Vegas had no relationship with Jesus. Now, here's the good news. Today, that number, 92%. Now, 3% ain't much, but we're moving the needle in the right direction. There's a collaborative kingdom effort in our city that is seeing the lostness be penetrated. Hmm. And that's what we have to do. That's why... At Hope, we've asked God over the next 15 years to let us reproduce and multiply 300 churches 
that plant 10 churches each. Mm. If we can do that, that gives us 3,000 new churches. Is that strategically in the West? In the West, All right. in, the, in the mountain and Pacific time zones. If we can do that, there's 75 million people that live in the Western United States. If those 3,000 churches can each win 250 people to Jesus, that's 1% of the Western United States. That's 750,000 people. How hard is that in the West? I mean, how is that like in a place like Vegas? I mean, you know, where you're dealing with the unchurched. Yeah. A lot of times most, you know, pastors and that have that desire to do those types of things, mm-hmm. they're building on years of already discipleship, years of already training, people growing up in the church, kind of finding their call yeah. or coming back. But in the pre-Christian kind of area, where are those laborers coming from? Um, well, it's the same thing that happened in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have been more pre-Christian than yeah. Jerusalem in the yeah. first world, mm-hmm. the first century world. And yet, rapid movement to the gospel. Um, it comes from two ways. We started almost 20 years ago now, we parachuted in. So we are still parachuting some people in okay. from other places. But if it's ever going to be movement, movement demands out of the harvest into the harvest. Yeah. You can multiply by parachuting in, but you'll never see movement until it's out of the harvest, into the harvest. So we're now seeing guys. We have a guy here in our city, Hayden Ratner, that we've planted who came to Christ. He's from Las Vegas. We discipled him in our church. Um, he got married here. I did their wedding. And yeah. then we launched them out as a church planter. He's planted a church. They're reaching people with the gospel. Same thing in Hilo, Hawaii. Guy named Zeke Tomaselli came to know Jesus in our church. A lot of people call Vegas the ninth island because there's so many Hawaiians and Polynesians here. Zeke came to Christ in our church, got disciple, got married in our church. We poured into him for seven years, sent him back to Hilo, Hawaii. He's planting churches that are planting churches in the West, working among the Pacific Rim. So those yeah. are out of the harvest, into that's the awesome. harvest. So those, those are two that's examples of people. Two examples of guys came to there. Christ here, discipled here, been sent out of here as pastors and church. That's awesome because, I mean, a lot of times... When you think about Vegas, you think about uh, Sin City. Yeah. You think it's the strip. Everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's the strip. 100%. It's the thing. You know, and we're, I mean, we're not on the strip Mm-mm. right now. Um, but, but you, so like, talk to me about that. Talk to me yeah. about kind of Vegas and the people. Are, are people from Vegas? Yeah. Do, you know, that do they, are people moving into Vegas? Like, where is most of the people when it comes to Vegas in terms of your context and understanding that? Great question. People know Vegas is Sin City. When they think of that, they think about the strip. But I try to help people think about it this way. There's Orlando, Florida, mm-hmm. and there's Disney World. Yep. Disney World is not Orlando. Orlando's not Disney World. Okay. We have the Strip, but then we have Las Vegas. Yeah. We have about 50 million tourists a year. So we have about a million tourists a week that are downtown on the Strip. Yeah. That's Sin City. Yeah. Sin City's not Las Vegans. Yeah. It's Alabamians and Mississippians and Georgians and Kentuckians mm-hmm. that come here to do their sinning so they can go home yes. and pretend like they're perfect people. <laughs> yeah. um, if, if Alabamians and Tennesseans would quit sinning, my city would go out of business. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, not, it's a Bible Belt issue yeah. as much as it's a Las Vegas issue. But then there's a city of 2.2 million people who live here. Yeah. I moved here in 2000. There was 1.3 million. So a million people have moved here since I lived here, since I moved here. Mm. And they're projecting that in the next decade, there'll be another, we'll be at 3.2, 3.4 million mm. in another decade. So it's rapidly growing. Um, 90, uh, 93% of the people that live in Las Vegas were not born here. Yeah. Only 7% 93%. are native. Yeah, because this, this city is, is relatively young and new. 
Um, it was started as a vacation destination, mm-hmm. you know, an adult vacation destination. It really, our city was founded by two things. It, most people don't know this about Vegas. Vegas was founded by the Mormon church. Hmm. The Mormons came here as missionaries and put a fort downtown uh, where they found some springs. And they, they founded a Mormon mission fort here. Uh, and that's how the city began. Okay. Then the city was taken over by the mob. And you have what we have today with the casinos and everything. And then the mob's gone. Now it's, that has nothing to do with Las Vegas anymore. But so what you had is you had Mormonism with its packaged religion and the mob with its pagan. So you got the enemy's two great weapons here, yes. religion and out-and-out paganism. Mm. But both of them, most Las Vegans would go, that's not the answer. Mm-hmm. And so Las Vegas is this city of 2.2 million people, 92% have no relationship with Jesus, 60% are in the none category. They declare no faith at all. Yeah. They're nothing. And that could be reproduced up and down the West Coast, city to city. But what Las Vegas, what makes it unique is we're like modern day Corinth. Yeah. So you read the book of 1 Corinthians, it's a mess. Yeah. The church in Corinth had all kinds of Issues. I mean, a guy was sleeping with his father's wife. They were suing each other. Divorce was rampant. Yes. Paul's dealing with all these issues in First. Yeah. That's Las Vegas because the gospel is not penetrating a Christian worldview. It's penetrating an outright pagan worldview. People are coming to Christ. But here's the beauty of that: <clears throat> in our church on Sunday, nobody's here because it's Sunday. Yeah. They either genuinely love Jesus or they're asking the question, is Jesus the answer that I'm looking for? Yeah, and so what type of people are coming to Vegas? Like when you go into the South, you talk to people, everybody's kind of heard of religion. You know, when you talk to people here, are these people who, like, they have kind of a baseline to kind of begin these conversations? These people are just asking questions about God. Are they even thinking about God? Like, yeah. what? what is the, the general consensus as you have been engaging with yeah. people around kind of their spiritual Great receptiveness? Question. It's all over the map uh, because we're a city of transients by mm-hmm. and large. It was the shooting October 1 of 2017 that really turned this city of transients into a community of people that live together. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how God takes what the enemy intends for yeah. evil and uses it for good. But a shooting followed up by a hockey team that started here and this became a community of people. Uh, that have roots now and have have a sense of belonging. You're a hockey fan. I am now, big time. You I are? was at the hockey game last night. Okay. Las Vegas Golden Knights, baby. Come on, oh, man. You said uh, that with pride. It's, it's a big time. And it's from an Alabama boy that yeah, didn't even I know. know what hockey yeah, was. That's what I was but I'm, like. I'm yeah. huge into that. But okay. but that's that's the identity of Las Vegas yeah. now. But to get back to their spiritual receptivity, um, most people here have never been to a church of any kind at all. Hmm. But They've also never been around church. So they're not for it or against it. They're just neutral. They've just never been told. They've never heard. They've never been asked. So I found people, because they're not from here, everybody's looking to meet people and find community. Uh, What better place? You know, the church is wired for that. So we found it very easy to invite. People will come. People will listen. Uh, but we also have, uh, because we're in the southwestern U.S., there is some Catholic influence. So those that do have church experience, it's by and large mostly a Catholic background. Mm-hmm. And for most of them, it means they were Catholic because they were born into a Catholic family. 
Um, so spiritual receptivity has been great. There's That's an openness. Good. Now, what you find is you don't find you share the Roman road and they get saved. Right. It's usually a journey of days, weeks, months of relationship where you're constantly engaging in gospel conversation when they cross the line of faith. But when they cross the line of faith, bro, it's real and it's radical. Now, it's yeah. messy right. because they don't know the box of do's and don'ts. Right. They That's don't know. Um, now, one example. We had a couple that came to Christ. We baptized them. Then we did a marriage series in our church. They walked in the offices over here, and the way I did the marriage is we talked for two weeks. I did an hour sermon two weeks in a row, and then we did six hours of video discussion with couples and singles. They walked in, dropped the DVDs on my desk, and said, we've watched all of these three times. Um, we did not know that Jesus cared about our sexual purity at all. Hmm. So this is a couple. They'd been married for 20 years. The way they'd celebrated anniversaries was by swinging, uh, threesomes. Mm. They had no clue that Jesus, that was so new. So yeah. that's the kind of people we're reaching all the time. How hard was that for your family? I mean, you, you're about to have a son, about to get married. Yeah. I mean, you talked about kind of your adjustment mm -hmm. and all that. How, I mean, how hard was that for your family? I mean, because you're married. Yeah. With here's the thing. It was kids. incredibly refreshing. Yeah. Because here's the thing. The people in Las Vegas, they don't have any sin issues that the people in Alabama don't have. The difference is the people in Alabama, when the pastor comes around, cover it up. Mm. Here, they don't know to. Right. So they just tell me, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know on Sunday. You don't walk out and go, man, that was one hell of a sermon <laughs> you gave today. You know. They don't know you don't say that. That that's yeah. not appropriate. Uh, I was just talking to another one of the pastors here the other day. And because of a guy who just recently got saved, and he was just saying, like, and it was one of the football players, and he was just like, so he asked him to pray, you know, new convert, and he was just like, yeah, Lord, and as he was praying, dropped two f bombs in the middle of like the prayer, and like the pastor was like, oh, but he just realized it, like this is like he didn't he didn't know it was like it was like no culture that he was just like I'm just kind of communicating, and that's, that's just the way I communicate. That's it. I had a guy came to Christ, and he was walking out. He said, Pastor, this has so changed my life. He said, I'm a, uh, he, what he did professionally was he was a distributor of, of liquor and alcohol. And he said, Pastor, this has so changed my life. I am sending the finest case of Jack Daniels that I have to your house. And I had yeah. to explain to him, number one, that I didn't drink Jack yeah. Daniels, and number two, that that wasn't really the appropriate way to say things. But I so loved his heart. Yeah. It, but listen, yeah. we've so long read the scriptures with a Southern Baptist worldview yeah. that we've lost the purity of that in the, in the scripture. Mm -hmm. Peter was asked by Jesus, who, are, who am I? Mm -hmm. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. A few chapters later, a little girl at a campfire says, wait a minute, aren't you a Jesus follower? And the scripture says, he cursed her. Mm. Old salty yep, fisherman yep, Peter yep, said, yep. I don't know what the bleep mm. you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So it's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. We just so sanitized yep. it the way we read it yeah. that we've read it out of the scriptures. Yeah. But it was messy in the early church because when lost people come to Christ, they got a lot that needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, and so good. for me, it was refreshing. And here's the other, it's just been addictive. I, I couldn't imagine not being in ministry in a pre-Christian kind of first century context. That's it's, it's awesome. That's good. So you talk about that pre-Christian. How is it like raising your kids? How many kids do you have? I have four. Four kids. How was, what, what, what were the ages when you moved here? When we moved here, we had three. They were okay. seven, five, and three. Okay. And now they are 25, 24, 
22 and uh, 15. Breakdown boy, girls. Girl at the top, two boys in the middle, girl at the bottom. All right. So in that, what is it like raising kids in that in a pre-Christian context? So much easier. Easier? Uh, yeah. Because every day we've had real life conversations yeah. with our kids. Um, is there anything different that you that you would have done that you found that you had to do here versus what you had to do in, if you were to stay in the South? Uh, yeah, in the South, where I was, parenting was all about isolation. Mm -hmm. It was about keeping your kids out of this environment, keeping your kids away from this group, keeping your kids out of this gathering, yep. isolating them so that you could then indoctrinate them. Yeah. In this culture, it's parenting in the midst of incarnation. You are living amongst the world. Yeah. Your neighbors, if our neighbor invites us over for dinner, there's going to be alcohol served. Yeah. Um, if my friends go to some kid's birthday party, it's likely that the parents have an open bar. It is the normal rhythm of life. So what we've been able to do is incarnationally, when we leave that party, talk to our kids mm -hmm. about what the scripture says about those things. So that when I graduated high school, the first thing I wanted to do was go try all this stuff that my parents had told me for years I shouldn't be around. Yeah. My kids been around it their whole lives. Yep, They've good. seen it. They've now you have to be intentional in that incarnational approach of teaching and, and making sure you're involved in their life, making sure you got open conversation in your home, making sure that nothing's off the table. But when you do that, I wouldn't trade it for anything. That's good. All four of my kids love Jesus. They're walking with God. They have they spend time with Jesus daily. They're engaged in the mission. They're working globally. They're using their job skill and passion, leveraging it for the sake of the kingdom. Um, all my kids. That's good. Uh, one thing I got to say, I'm disappointed in, in Vegas, uh -oh. and I've asked multiple people, what kind of food are you known for? And no one has been able to give me any type of food options. <clears throat> so, you know, so I'm all I'm a burger guy. I was looking for a good burger. So I was like, what's the best burger spot at least? Give me your best burger spot. So, Bro, you've been talking I need you to, to the impress, wrong people. I need you I to impress me. Okay. Give me the best burger spot. Okay. Here in Vegas, that and no, please don't give me a fast food chain. Uh, no, good night. No, some people would say In and Out because you know that's the cult, that's kind of the Chick Fil A of the West Coast. Okay. But I'm gonna give you two. I'm a foodie. Okay. I love food. One of the ways I engage culture is through food All because right. as a pastor, you're always around people. So I have a restaurant ministry where I build relationships with owners and managers and servers, okay. and it's the way I engage lost people. So one of the best burgers in Los I'm gonna give you two spots. One would be a place called Barcode Burger Bar, okay. uh, downtown, unbelievable. Barcode. It's actually owned by some people that are now in our church. All right, uh, love okay. Jesus, but it is fantastic. Another one, it's very unique. It's an Asian American fusion place called Bocce Burger. Um, you, get the, you go there and you get the Miyagi-san burger, I'm telling you, man, it'll set you free. So either one of those two places will kill it when it comes to burgers. All right, that's where we got to go. Got it.